This morning's message comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and we're going to start at verse 31, which is on page 1675, 1675. Start at verse 31. 1675. Did I say the wrong page? 74. Here we go. 1674. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to start by telling you the story of my very first job. So I was about 14 years old, and I couldn't drive yet, and so my dad put me on my bike one summer and said, go, find a job. (laughs) This is where I landed, tropical snow. So this is a little stand that makes shaved ice, you know, like snow cones, and you put flavor on it, and it sits right outside of the city pool. And I grew up in the Midwest where we don't have this big, beautiful lake by us. And so the whole neighborhood would congregate at this pool every day in the summer. And then whenever they would blow the whistle at the pool for there to be a break, everyone would come and get their tropical snow. So my first day of work, I'm 14 years old, I've never done this before, and I have an orientation. And so the boss is going to be there with me the whole day. And we're going to learn how to run this machine, this big old blade that shaves blocks of ice down into snow cones. She'd been there about an hour, and I heard the whistle blow, and the kids started getting louder in the corner by the pool, and she looks at her cell phone and says, Oh no, I need to go. And my heart about went to the floor. You're supposed to help me. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to mix all the flavors. I think they had like 99 different flavors. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she left. 
And I just remember this feeling of being so overwhelmed. And she looks at me and she says, it's okay, just make snow. What does this even mean? And I wonder if this isn't where the disciples sat and felt. Lord, you had called us from our boats and from our jobs and from our tents and from our lives and said, we're going to build this kingdom here on earth. We are going to build the kingdom of heaven on earth, and I'm going to lead you. And they'd been doing this, right? Jesus had been doing all of these miracles, showing all these signs and wonders and preaching, and people were hearing and believing, and the kingdom was being established. And here we are at the Last Supper. Jesus had just washed their feet. He had called Judas out for selling Jesus and had told him to leave. Judas went out to betray Jesus, and that was the first domino that would fall in Passion Week that would bring Jesus to the cross. Then Jesus looks at the people, the disciples, and says three statements. The first, Jesus says, The Father and I are united, and my whole life has been about his glory. What I've done and what I'm about to do is all about the glory of the Father. The second thing he says is, My children, he says this with love, My children, I'm leaving, and you can't come with me. And the third thing is a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples, and this love is how the world is going to know me. Love just makes snow. What? His first statement had been rather cryptic. Like, what is, what is this glory all about? What is this unity with the Father all about? It likely had to do with the fact that Jesus had been predicting his death, and so they could probably put that together. But what happens with this whole kingdom? The disciples were Jews, which means that they were raised to memorize the entire Old Testament. And so in their minds, building a kingdom looks a lot like what it looked like when Moses and Joshua led the Israelites into Canaan, right? They blew through all these cities, and they built this kingdom on force. And if the King Jesus is leaving, they expected marching orders of power, not love. And if they weren't confused enough, what is this whole new commandment thing? Leviticus 19.18 had told them way back in the Old Testament that they were supposed to love one another. This idea of love isn't a new commandment. Peter finally speaks up to this confusion and says, but Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus, still in love, says, Peter, where I'm going, you can't go. Not yet. But Peter, I don't know if you know a lot about Peter, but he's always known for being super brass and confident and overzealous. And he can't take this. And he says, I will die for you. What, what if I go and do this whole dying thing for you? If I do that, Jesus, can I, can I come with you where you're going? I just want to go with you. And Jesus makes his final statement of our passage. 
Peter, my child that I love, you are weak. You think that you can do the things that I'm about to do, but you can't. And I'm going to show that to you because tonight you're going to disown me three times before the sun even goes up. You cannot do what I'm about to do. Can you imagine that confusion, the weight of this? Jesus, you're saying you're leaving, and not only are you leaving, but I'm weak, and I'm a failure. How is a weak failure of a man supposed to build a kingdom on earth? And what does love have to do with any of it? How are we going to get this kingdom that Jesus had promised? We talk a lot about kingdom here at Gold Avenue Church. You've heard that word a lot. We sang about it this morning. Build your kingdom here, Jesus. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? Last week, Mark preached about the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is a kingdom-building commission. Go and establish a kingdom of people who are submitted under the lordship of God. We go to make our world look a little bit more like Jesus, bit by bit, heart by heart, person by person. Building Christ's kingdom on earth, as the disciples are called to do, rests in this tension of what theologians call the already, but not yet. Has anybody heard that before? Already, but not yet? You see, the Lord has already begun to establish his kingdom. He began that with Israel way back in the Old Testament. He established a a covenant with Abraham. The Lord sustained and expanded that covenant that he'd made with Israel with Jesus. Jesus called the rest of the world to follow him, building that covenant. And Jesus would save this kingdom in the coming days when he would die on the cross, defeat the enemy and the prince of darkness, and rise into heaven. This act would make the new covenant a new kingdom, and Jesus commanded the disciples to keep building that kingdom. This kingdom would come in fullness when Jesus comes again. But until then, the disciples are called to keep building this kingdom. The kingdom had already come, but it was not yet in its fullness. This kingdom building is what Jesus was talking about here. It's what he commanded the disciples to do, and it's exactly what he commands us to do as well. Now, in theory, that sounds really exciting, doesn't it? We get to be part of what the Lord is doing on this earth. We get to be part of the kingdom of God on earth. It's really great to hear about when we sing about it or we hear it in a sermon, And then we get outside, and we look around, and the world is so broken. It's hard to get our friends and our family members to come to church with us, much less change their lifestyles. It's hard to make sure that the world doesn't go hungry. 
It's hard enough to get ourselves on track, much less worry about those around us. How on earth are we supposed to stop crime in our neighborhoods? How on earth are we supposed to get our neighbors to stop making poor decisions or help our children to make the right decisions? How are we supposed to evangelize to the rest of the globe? Just make snow. It's overwhelming, isn't it? But Jesus had already dealt with that point. He had pointed out to Peter that he was weak. The great church father John Calvin says that Peter humanly attributes too much to his own strength. Let us learn to distrust our own strength. Peter displays the weakness of even the strongest Christian, and he displays the weakness of you and I. When we look at the problems of the world in and around us, in our neighborhoods, in our own families, and even in ourselves, don't we just feel so weak? Perhaps you've been there where you've done absolutely everything that you can do to help somebody out, to bring them to Christ, to change their world and their life, and it just doesn't work. We are so weak and our own strength is so insufficient. Peter was weak on his own. The disciples were weak on their own. But the thing is, the good news is, Jesus had not just abandoned ship and left these disciples in confusion and weakness. The story doesn't end there. Jesus wasn't leaving on some kind of vacation. He didn't go decide to build a kingdom somewhere else. He was going to die on a cross, defeat the prince of darkness, and ascend into heaven. He was literally en route to sign that new covenant of love that we just talked about. This would be the greatest act of love and of kingdom building of all time. This love of Jesus that dies on the cross was directed at sinners. It was directed at the unworthy, and it was a generous love that Israel had known, but that Jesus was bringing into fullness. Out of love, God had made a covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament But in Jeremiah 31, the prophet Jeremiah prophesied this new covenant that was coming. Jeremiah says that the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the kingdom of Israel. And if you continue reading that passage, Jeremiah sort of fleshes out this covenant of one where God's people have an intimate knowledge and relationship with the Father. That song we sung this morning, Good, Good Father, talks about the intimacy that we have with God. And this is the covenant that Jeremiah had predicted. Love is the stipulation of this new covenant. Jesus' life and death on this earth ushered in that new covenant, a covenant of love and intimacy. And this is why Jesus says that this love is new. It's not the same old love. It's new. A new commandment I give you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. By this love, the world will know me. This new commandment is given in direct response to the problem raised by Jesus physically leaving the earth. This commandment is the strong solution to the problem of weakness of Peter and the other disciples. 
Loving with the love that Jesus was about to display on the cross wasn't just a nice thing to do. It's nice to be loving. It's nice to feel loved. But love is literally the building blocks of the kingdom of God. If the disciples were to obey Jesus' command to love, through their love, Christ was going to build his kingdom. And if that still seemed daunting, Jesus said, love as I have loved you. Jesus had literally given them a play-by-play book to follow throughout the entirety of ministry that shows them how to conduct their kingdom-building activity of love. Jesus had loved the sinners. He had loved the outcasts. He loved the sick and the sinful and the downtrodden and the broken. In our passage this morning, he even loved a man like Peter who would disown Jesus in his deepest hour of need. The verb form in the Greek for this command to love is in an aorist tense, and that basically means that instead of just being a command to love, it means to keep on loving. It's ongoing, disciplined, consistent action. And so Jesus didn't just say, as we say in English, go love. He said, keep on loving one another. Be determined, be consistent, be patient in your loving. And by this consistent, patient love, the world is going to know me. These are marching orders. Go, says Jesus, love as I have loved you. By this you will build my kingdom here on earth. And this is the only tool or weapon you will need. Notice he doesn't say, by your power the world will know me, or by your miracles or signs or wonders, you will know me. He doesn't say, by military force, you will know me. He says, by love, the world will know me. Love has the power to change the world. And friends, these are the same marching orders that I believe that Jesus has for us at Gold Avenue Church this morning. And the good news is, the best news is, You and I have the same tools that Jesus gave the disciples. That resurrection power of love is given freely to you and I as well. And God's word is a sufficient model in love, in action, to show us how to bring that love to this world. This love has been sufficient to build his kingdom in the past. And this love has been sufficient enough to change our hearts, hasn't it? I think about all the people that have come up in front of church and given testimony and new members, and there's a running theme in what people say. And that theme is love. They've come to Gold Avenue Church and they felt the love of the Gold Avenue family, and eventually they feel the love of Christ that we've been given. And that love is what we've seen change so many hearts. Gold Avenue's vision, as Lindsay said this morning, is to see the love of Christ change our hearts, our neighborhood, and the world. This is kingdom building, friends. A kingdom that we're called to build with love. This morning I believe the Lord would say to us, My dear children, look around at what my love has done. 
Rejoice in it. See the kind of love that changes hearts. And my children, children that I love, keep loving one another and your neighbors as I have loved you. And by this love, I'm going to build my kingdom here. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are overwhelmed at your love. We are overcome with the power of it and that it is given freely to us. And Lord, this morning I pray that if there are people here who have not yet had their hearts encounter your love, if there are hearts that need to be changed, yet, Lord, that you would dig in deep there, Lord, that you would bring them to you and show them your love. And for those of us who do know your love, Lord, we praise and thank you for the changes that you've made in our hearts. And we ask that you continue to change our hearts and move us into action. Father, would you show us how to love your people? In Jesus' name, amen.